y'all never understand it. Y'all try to quantify it. Y'all try to make it about points. Winners win. That's what we do. Straight like that. I said it all. Shut up. That's what I said. I said it. Shut up. Yeah, Jesus, don't do that after a weekend of boozing. Fuck. Really passed out. Whew. Anyway, this is NBA Australia hanging out. It is Tuesday, June 21st. It's going to be May. June 21. Uh, the day after my birthday. One year older, not any wiser. Uh, the NBA Finals are done. The season's done, skis. Your Golden State Warriors are your NBA champions again. And I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes for whomstever wants to pay me that sweet, sweet folding stuff. Got to pay for these renos somehow. Here in Larry Armour Studios, freeze my nuts off. On the other side of this here iPad, we've got Lakers fan Tim joining the show today to talk about, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. Kyrie, Kenny Atkinson going to wrap the finals. I just want to wrap my head around the finals a little bit more. Talk it all out, what I didn't get to talk out on Friday. Uh, we'll also sort of cover off some of the uh, off-season gunk draft. Some big questions like, hey, is Steph a top 10 player, Tim? That's going to be fun. And uh, the big sort of off-season questions, I think, for that'll dominate the storylines for a bit. So let's bloody well get into it. Bit of a uh, choppy, fun, dumb one for you today. Before we do like the what draft preview on Thursday and then the draft show on Friday. So, look, there you go. We'll get you completely covered here at NBA Australia. Let's get into it. Episode 837. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls. And you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shack attack. Oh, you better watch out for the shack attack or the Charles Barkley attack if you're Jason Tatum. Uh, Tatum catching strays on an NHL broadcast during the fucking Stanley Cup finals. You love to see it. That's a turnover. That's a Jason Tatum turnover. All right, Charles. That's brutal, but funny. Right. I'm going to start today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with a daily whip around. Yeah, we are. Kenny Atkinson, Tim. He did a backflip. He took the job in Charlotte and then went, actually, that fucking sucks. I'm out. Eight days later. Eight days later after they agreed to terms. Didn't sign the contract. 100% ghosted them, clearly. Because uh, apparently Charlotte were blindsided and we're also waiting for the paperwork to come back signed. And then he actually just went, actually, go shove your job up your ass, you idiots. <laughs> and fucked off. Stayed in Golden State, Tim. I love it. What do you reckon? It's pretty juicy. Happy birthday, by the way. Thanks, bud. But the way that Kenny just sort of gave the uh, Hornets old rope-a-dope, my favorite, though, was uh, how apparently they sat down, had one last chat, and then decided... It was in their, in both their best interests that he walk away. AKA no, MJ talk, MJ, anyway. MJ talk some shit. I feel, but yeah, he was Kenny was gone. It feels like the reports have now come out. He's got what, two teenage kids. They love the Bay Area. Uh, mm. What do you reckon? Was, was it just a high from winning? 
or is there some juicy hot goss here? Like, was Lamelo? Did he talk to Lamelo and just didn't vibe the call? Uh, something happened, right? You don't meet Michael Jordan, come up with a deal. I don't know who announced it or if that was just a sham thing or if that's been leaked by the Hornets or whatever, because that's embarrassing. It's, I don't think it's – something must have happened, right? You don't just go, oh, I feel good because we won the championship and want to stay. Or, or is there something on the other end? Is, is Steve Kerr got a year left or some shit like that? Yeah, I mean, those are going to be the uh, the sort of things that you talk about, right, where it's like, aha, wait a minute, he's now getting paid way more by the uh, Warriors and they've got a succession plan in place maybe for mm. him to take over eventually. But um, – I don't know. Like, I feel like it just might have been with the Warriors throwing some more coin his way. Him having the family there and just going, actually, yeah, to be honest, the way I got shafted by the Nets and fucking KD and Kyrie, maybe I'll just chill out for, you know, one or two more years, become even more in demand, or maybe just take over the Warriors when Steve steps aside. So, um, especially. Well, that's Ma- true. I mean, Mike Brown goes to Sacramento, right? Coach. Yeah, exactly. And if he's got this reputation as a player development guy, which means he'll get the job for four years, get him to three playoff series, and then someone else will take his job to get them over the hump. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of disruption because he'll never be put in the title higher yep. position. Not until he wins one, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I did feel like that was like the best spot for Kenny though, right? Like a young team, fun one. It sort of felt like the next step from those old nets. Where- yes. There's like a lot of potential. They're very young. You can develop them still some more, take them to the next level, but who knows? But at the same time, if Mike D'Antoni ends up with that gig, I'm fucking stoked either way. Anyway. Same. He will turn LaMelo into a freak show. You thought James Harden in, what, Houston was pretty good. Give me some yeah. fucking LaMelo with Mike D. I love it. Love it. Me too. Uh, Kyrie, I enjoyed this. Uh, this one broke overnight. Uh, probably the most predictable of things, right? <laughs> Uh, Kyrie Irving, the Nets are at an impasse in conversations about his future in Brooklyn, clearing the way for the seven-time All-Star to consider the open market. Lakers and Knicks expected to emerge among potential... The Lakers and Knicks, neither of whom have any cap space whatsoever. (laughs) I just love it. It's just like chumming the water to the fucking morons of the internet. Oh, we can get Kyrie! Um, Yep. But my instant thought on this, Tim, was... uh, there was another follow-up. I think uh, Shams came out later and said that uh, Kyrie wants to stay with KD in the Nets. But the talks with the Nets official have led to serious opening for him to hit the open market, though. We'll see how we go. Um, and then Stephen A. Smith came out with the uh, the tidbit that Kyrie would have his own practices after Steve Nash finished his at Nets practices, which is, I don't know. Let's all just, like, say the quiet part out loud. We all know that Kyrie is just a massive fuckwit. Right? Like, it's pretty clear, pretty simple. Here we go. There was a great moment in the uh, Warriors sort of wrap-up when uh, I think it was Nick Friedel, right, from ESPN. He's like, the big difference between the Warriors and their Nets was that Wiggins didn't want to get vaccinated but did it anyway. And now he's a champion and Kyrie didn't and fuck their season. You're like, to be fair, you're not wrong. But at the same time, that's not the only difference between uh, the Warriors and the Nets. Uh, but Kyrie, I mean, the question's going to be, who could be fucked, Tim? Who could be fucked? Who could be fucked doing what? Dealing with Kyrie. Just dealing with that fuckhead. Oh, no, I love him. I But no, nothing. He's starting with the Nets. It's stage one of negotiations and it's all tactical. And the Lakers and Knicks, that's nothing. So... What I love, though, is that as as a casual, 
as it just it will never happen in a million years. But just the idea of trading Westbrook for Kyrie and reuniting OKC and Cleveland teams is just so delicious. I would, it would just be the greatest thing that's ever happened. Uh, my first, literally my first thought. So the squid woke up at like I don't know just before six. Ah, my tummy hurts. Ah, oh, I think I need to do a poo. And you're like, this is exactly what I need before 6 a.m. Jesus. And then I see the uh, notifications on the phone. And uh, I'm like, huh. Can we just get like a Kyrie and Beal deal and just make that done? Beal and KD are yeah. buds from a million years ago. Give Kyrie his own stupid fucking team in DC. He can, he can become a lobbyist or whatever the fuck he wants to do. He doesn't want to, <laughs> yeah, doesn't want to play basketball. Like, who cares? <laughs> He can spend his time fucking pitching Joe. Like, who gives a shit? Anyway, um, you're right. <laughs> I mean, Tim, you are a big proponent of the art of the deal. So, uh, I mean, you're the one who's all about deal making. So this uh, checks out. I think this is all negotiation. My point from the entire start has been like, yeah, look, they'll fuck around. They'll lowball him. Then they'll sort of realize that Kevin is going to be like, hey, just pay him his fucking money. And then go, yes, Kevin, and do the thing. So, Yes. Otherwise, He's not going anywhere. Uh, John Collins uh, feels like everything is just basically shuffling him out of the door of Atlanta, which is pretty interesting. And same with Clint Capella, which is an interesting move as well. So I don't know about you, Tim, but DeAndre Ayton mm. in Atlanta feels like a pretty uh, good vibe, doesn't it? It seems like it's already done. Like that's ex- that's exactly why these bigs in Atlanta, as good as they are, are out the dough. Uh, but was- I would not like to lose both and replace them with DeAndre. That's not enough. They also still, they've still got uh, Denny Lugalinari and, um, I don't know, DeAndre Hunter who can play up, obviously. But uh, there's also talk of Capella and the Wolves where they go, maybe we can uh, put Capella next to big Carl Anthony Towns, the big cat. Uh, and freeze him up to play point guard full time. He can just stay outside the three-point line as the best yeah. shooting big of all time, according to me. Uh, I mean, it sort of makes sense, but I don't know. There's nothing really sort of going on at the moment. Anyway. That's basically, I don't know, most of the news. The Kenny Atkinson backflip was pretty cool because this has happened in the NFL just recently. Josh McDaniels took the indie gig uh, and then told him to fuck off, <laughs> which was great because it's the Indianapolis Colts, one of the Patriots' most hooted of rivals. And uh, it doesn't really happen in the NBA, though, where a coach actually you know agrees to terms and then backflips. But here we are. Kind of like it. Finals wrap, Tim. Finals wrap of the 2022 NBA Finals, 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 Finals. Can't be fucked playing the music this time. Um, what did you think? The Warriors win. We've just had the parade today. Draymond out there. Uh, being quite vociferous. Uh, <laughs> the Steph Night Night thing has become a thing. We've got T-shirts. Clay lost his cap on his boat on the way to the parade, which is amazing. So he wore his captain's cap the entire time. He also took out a chick like he was fucking just like bull rushed her. It was amazing. Uh, but Draymond, you know, he's out there. What are you going to tell the haters? He's like, shut up. It's like, I think in the, in the wash up, Tim, out of all this, it feels like the Warriors feel like they're much more put upon than they actually are. Like no one is shitting on the Warriors. Really? Like, all this stuff about, oh, everyone said Steph was washed up. He won't win anymore. Only fucking morons said that. Kendrick Perkins. Like, 
what are we doing? It's kind of weird that they're just sort of this weird persecuted bunch where it's like you've run the NBA for the last decade, you fucking idiots. Just pump the brakes, but at the same time, I also fucking love it because go off, King. Like, you won. Do yeah. your fucking thing. I mean, they had, they're the, probably the most likable dynasty ever. Uh, it's the same as Jordan, right? Jordan feeling slighted from stuff. What are you talking about? He was the most adored person on the planet while he was playing. But Draymond copped it for a week, and then just everything worked out perfectly. Where he had one good game, it was the last game, so he could shut up. If he played like that in game one and then coasted through and, and still won the series, it would be annoying. But now he's just got this slight little hook, and he's putting everything he ever owned on on it, and I love it. I love the Golden State's inch, like Steph Curry is the most boring person on that team. Draymond and Clay are two of the best personalities in the NBA, so it's hard not to get on board with. They don't need to take their shirt off on the parade to catch our attention. They can just be their beautiful, weird selves, uh, clothed. And I, it's just, they're a good team to win. I couldn't be bothered listening to Tatum or Brown. Certainly not Marcus Smart, if Boston <laughs> have won. So, and, you know, I have a uh, Boston hatred buried within. But I, the, it's, it's, it's classic player bullshit. No one really thinks anything about Golden State negatively. Although I do think they pinched a title. Which one do you think they pinched? This one. This one? Yeah. I, it's funny because I think at the start of the season, it's before even Clay got back, it's like, oh, shit, they're back. They're the favorites again. And we all thought that they were going to win unless, you know, the Nets got it together. That was pre-James trade. Then they had their injuries and then everything came back together at the right time. But within that, I don't know, the East Coast beat themselves up. Uh, you know, we lost Middleton. The Nets never netted fully. And then... Yeah, I, I don't think Phoenix would have beat them, but we never got to see that. Well, Lakers shat themselves, yeah. Kawhi's out. I just think they scraped, they sort of slipped through the cracks this year. There's a tiny opening and they fucking took it. The Middleton injury is the biggest yeah. thing for me still, I think. I think the Bucks are the title winners if Middleton's healthy. Like, I think they run over the top of the Warriors even. Even the Suns, like, it sort of slipped under the radar again. It's like, oh, also, they all had COVID. And you're like, oh, okay. That ex- yes. It's like, all right. I know that you don't want to lean on too much of that shit, uh, but the way the Suns were playing most of the year and then the way the Suns played in those last, what, three Dallas games, four Dallas games? Wasn't uh, the same. Bit funky. So they did, look, they they nabbed one, but at the same time, they were the best team in the finals. It was a weird and wild and fucking wacky playoff thing, right? This weird slog of the conference finals where uh, the Warriors smashed Dallas. We get... Just a fucking knockdown bullshit drag out Miami Boston series that for all the drama didn't feel fun to watch <laughs> like at all. Like it was brutal, but the second round kicked ass, the first round was really fun, the playing tournament was great. Remember that? That was like two months ago. Fucking hell. Mm. But we come out of it. I think the right team won because my overall vibe of that final series was literally that. Boston, the turnovers, the defensive breakdowns, they got beaten by a better team. They might have been running on fumes, but at the same time, you've got two young superstars. Like, this is the older fucking team over here that's winning and beating you. Like, no excuses, I think. And the execution is the thing that gets me the most, I think, because I feel like Boston were probably the more, uh, probably the more talented-ish kind of team, right? Like, with a still limited clay Versus Tatum yeah. and Brown, on balance, probably the Celtics get it. But just the turnovers, the act like you've been there before. 
uh, sort of come out of it just going, well, yeah, the Warriors deserve to win it. And they had executed, kicked their ass. The Celtics played scared. And away we go. Like, the, what, the six games of the finals, all over 10 points at the end, no real close ones. It felt like whoever won specific quarters, the pivotal quarters, or a pivotal game four where, you know, Steph just goes ham. Like, that sort of swung the series. It wasn't just like yeah. a point here or there per quarter. It was like, oh, we're going to, you know, box out the first two quarters and we'll see how we go. And then someone's going to throw a fucking haymaker and it's going to land or it doesn't. So, um, But two things before we just talk about the Celtics and the uh, Warriors themselves to wrap it all up. Massive set of stories against the Warriors, Tim. One before KD, two with KD, one after. Like, that means you've done it with Harrison Barnes in the KD spot. You've done it with Andrew Wiggins in the KD spot. I love it. I love it because people are like, oh, you can't use that to shit on KD. It's like, no, yes, I can. Yes, I fucking can. Because it now feels like KD's just basically stolen. He's glommed on to two titles, which has been one of my vibes the entire time. And uh, yeah. it's just it just makes it even easier to make that argument now, which just fucking oh, delights so, like, me. Imagine if Wade and Bosch won one with the Heat. I mean, Bosch got blood clots or whatever the hell happened to him. But imagine that. Like, it would just impact everything. And it, it just cements Steph, Clay, Draymond, even though Clay and Draymond weren't that big a factor, well, certainly not what they have been in the past, it just cements everything for them because the argument will be that they earned one, bought two. And now you have to celebrate that culture, that coaching, um, and roster management and ability to pay tax and all the all the other bits and pieces around them, not just the fact they got KD at the right time. Yeah. Love it. And uh, so you mentioned the word dynasty. Everyone's losing their mind when they use the phrase dynasty, dynasty. They're a dynasty, aren't they? They've won four and eight. They won three and four. Like the fact that I think uh, we might have had, so when we had Jason Kadee on, and Sean Bruce, I think both times we talked about this, the simple fact that in 2015, this team was in the NBA Finals and won, and it's now 2022, and at no real point in the last eight, ten years have you been able to talk about NBA basketball without sort of going, hey, Steph Curry, that's pretty fun. What's going on there? Mm. The Warriors, like that's a dynasty. And I don't know, how do you feel about the Spurs and their five titles? Do they count? It's the Tim Duncan Spurs, right? It's basically 20 years of domination, or at least, not so much domination, but always being in the conversation, even as boring as the Spurs might be. With all due respect, to quote Mark Jackson, to the uh, Spurs fans out there, but and the big booty ladies of San Antonio themselves, how do you feel about the Spurs being a dynasty? The Spurs is the weirdest one because of the, the spread. And, you know, Golden State had these two years off, but they weren't beaten, like, they weren't overtaken. Like there wasn't a new team in town that sort of took the mantle or anything like that. They, they like circumstances prevented them from being what they've been. But the Spurs were consistently good, but then not good enough the whole time. So I don't know. Like the Spurs is celebrated already for a different reason. Like they are a, a long. They were a long term, always in the mixes. So I don't, it's they're very unique. So it's hard to compare them to this. This is much more like the Bulls. Yeah. This is much more like the Lakers. I guess the Lakers, not quite the eighties Lakers, not quite. It's a little bit different, but no one ever came and took the title from them. They just were interrupted for a minute and came back. <laughs> well, Whereas weird. the Spurs weren't 
always the best. Yeah. Someone was better than them in the years they didn't make it. And they never won back to back, which is like that sort of hallmark yeah. of like a, yeah, you actually legitimately dominated um, that kind of thing. But yeah, just there's a lot to be said for their consistency. So like it's the Celtics of like, you know, the Bill Russell Celtics, the Lakers of Magic and Kareem and uh, then the Jordan Bulls. And then I think these guys, right? Like I don't even think uh, your beloved Lakers of the thousands count because nah. kind of two different eras. There were two different eras and yeah, they, and they sucked in the middle and it wasn't because of injuries. It was because yep. there was no number two star. But I think, and let, let's wait, right? Like Golden State, if they were the back next season, even if they lose that title, there's not much to talk about. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Right, uh, just to wrap up the series for the Celtics, as I said, I feel like they played scared. Uh, they win games one and three, shit the bed in game four. Uh, it felt like I think after game three, you had that sort of moment, and this is like something I've yelled about on the show time and time again. They had the blueprint, and they could never back it up and follow that blueprint again. That moment of like realizing, oh, we're bigger, we're stronger, we're more athletic, but they didn't play like it. You know, they played for uh, for contact, not for scoring and contact. Um, was there a Celtics player, Tim, that played above what we might expect it in this series? I think maybe Time Lord for me was the only one who probably outperformed expectation. Like even Jalen Brown, for how he was pretty good in Game Six, obviously. But Patchy. all that fucking series, the turnovers, the turnovers, the turnovers. It's like there's a dude who can't dribble more than three times or like dr- dribble drive without giving the team, the other team, the ball. Um, but yeah, like Tatum obviously definitely underwhelmed. Marcus Smart had like two good games. Horford had two good games. It's just like those, that sort of lack of consistency across the series is going to burn you. Uh, the defense fell apart way too often for the you know best defense in the NBA. You watch the Warriors just fucking slice and dice and like the Demtel food processor over and over and over again for layups, for the open threes. Like I was re-watching game six and as you get in the nuts and guts of like the fourth quarter and Boston sort of just keep making those tiny little pushes and then they go back the other way and then it'd be a breakdown, Steph's at the cup. They'd score again and then they'd let Andrew Wiggins hit a three to answer and it's like, Dude, like you're just shooting his, like you've just taken the gun and shot yourself in the foot time and time again with the bad breakdowns. But I think the big thing for me was like just them not being able to hit layups all series is crazy. And when they hit threes, they looked awesome. And when they didn't, they looked like shit. So I don't know. What did you sort of think about the Celtics? Even as a self-proclaimed Celtics hater, you've got a... Well, I don't have a choice. You've got a tough Tatum series, right? 60, uh, 600 points, 100 assists, 100 rebounds for the playoffs, also 100 turnovers, pretty brutal. Uh, he played like just an insane amount of minutes all through the season and all through the playoffs. I think like, they broke down the equivalent of the minutes. He played basically 21 more games worth of basketball than Steph did this season, and you could tell at the end, right? But at the same time, he's only 19, so he should be able to uh, get over that. So. <laughs> What are we doing? Yeah, I don't subscribe to that too much. I think that, you know, you would have expected when the series was over, if Golden State won, that there would have been our game, like like Curry's game five, where Tatum balled out. And it, he didn't quite get there. So, yeah, he played well and his stats, sans turnovers, um, check out. But time will tell if he can reach that level um, where he just has to own a game because it, it just didn't happen. And I don't know, like we went into that series pretty much with Golden State as a clear favourite 
we got caught up in game three when there was a two one lead. Or you know, and no one's no one's saying that Boston is a great team, but think about it the other way. Miami and Boston were somewhat evenly matched. If Miami had made that playoffs, you'd think Jimmy would get one of those games. So it might not matter. They might have just lost to a better team or a you know, or a more prepared team or a more experienced team. But I reckon if Tatum can't get over that hump and he's got time to do it, we're going to be looking at him as just a, you know, piece of shit. <laughs> Look, he's 24. Like, everyone, so what? I love, like, all the excuses being, oh, well, you say no, and I was really one before they were 24. It's like, all right, Tim Duncan did. I'm just saying. But anyway, yeah, most people sort of win when they're like 27-ish and above, whether it be Steph, MJ, LeBron, etc. But my favorite thing to come out of this, I think, is the, uh, you know, as a unabashed Kobe lover and Tatum with his Kobe love, for Tatum to go and shoot 24% in fourth, every, like across fourth quarters in this entire NBA Finals is a mm. hell of a way to honor Kobe. It's like, man, I love Kobe so much. I'm going to shoot 24% this entire series in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable. It's like, yeah, I'm going to wear his armband the entire time by shooting 24%. What a legend. Um, six of 25 in the fourth quarters. That is not great. Not great. But he also is only, he's only really become top tier A-list NBA player in the second half of this season. Like, you know, he was great before that, uh, but now he's starting to, you know, realize that. So in some ways it is new and raw, but that's what it means. Like, whatever. He had a not ideal finals. If he gets there and wins one or two, then he, he, he follows the narrative of other great players before him. Like LeBron. If he doesn't, yes. If he doesn't, then he will just be another one of those guys like, I don't know, Patrick Ewing. <laughs> Sure. The, uh, I mean, he was the seventh leading scorer in the fourth quarter this season. And, I mean, he's a first-team All-NBA-er. Like, the dude should be catching heat. And, look, but at the did, same time. did Golden State shut him down? Was he shut down well? I mean, they, they did a good job, but I don't think they, like, I've seen better shutdowns of, of superstar players. I think it was a big combo of him fucking himself in his own head, as I keep saying, playing for contact, not through contact. And then bitching and moaning at refs the entire time, which just took him out defensively heaps of the time as well. I mean, when you're sitting there just arguing with refs for like yeah. another five seconds of a possession, like you've done done fucked your team, right? Um, but I think it was in his own head, and I think he was tired, and I think the moment was just a little bit too big because he's only 24, so that's fine. Yeah, because you look at KD, right, in round one, Boston were incredible on Kevin Durant in round one. But Kevin Durant still, I can't remember what his stats are anymore, but he had a couple of, like, wait, you just can't beat that man no matter what you do. And Tatum might get there, but he's not there yet. But the sort of the job that Wiggins and Draymond did on him as well, right, it felt like every time he touched the ball, he was seeing two Warriors basically just keyed in on him. Even if he wasn't being doubled, like, they just had a plan every time he, like, no yeah. matter where he was on the floor... If he's dribbling, if he's passing, we've got him covered. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of weird because that's really what Boston did too, KD, to Giannis, and to Jimmy. So on their way to make yeah. these finals and they got flipped on them. Uh, Jalen Brown, look, not a bad finals, but the turnovers are just – can he just – I think I said this the other day, like he needs to spend all summer just like what we would have done when we were kids where you just walk everywhere with a basketball. Like, everywhere. We're going to the shops. I'm taking my basketball. We're going down to the road. We're going to the river. I'm taking my basketball and just dribble. 
the entire time. Start crossing over old ladies on the street, like all that great shit. He's got to work on that handle. Like it is chaos that you can literally watch it happen. It's like watching a fucking train wreck every time in slow motion. He's dribbling. He's picked up the ball and he's turned it over. Yep. Checks out. It's without fail. Like just book it. Uh, who else? Horford. Pretty good series for an old guy. Time Lord. Yeah. If he was healthy, uh, I feel like he would have made more of an impact. Even then, he was still pretty bloody good. Oh, yeah. Oh, like you just lucky Doc's not still the Boston coach because if uh, Time Lord was healthy, they would have won. <laughs> the uh, Like Time Lord, I feel like the impact that he had, even with like a bung knee, it's like one of those things you're Jesus. Like if he was that little bit quicker, had that little bit more jump, who knows how much more of an impact he could have had. And even then, he was still playing a lot. Smart was pretty underwhelming. Uh, yeah. Just didn't find the offense. I mean, the bench, Derek White had the deer in the headlights in the last, what, three or four games. That was horrible, like, that he just decided to completely lose he his He was shot. such an X factor in the previous two rounds, and it just wasn't there this time. And that, you know, even that, it could be that simple because his play, his little moments throughout um, Miami series and uh, uh, insert round two teams. Name here. Why have I blanked out? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Good job. Well, everything, everything, and especially when they went on runs and, and came back from um, deficits, he was such a big piece of that, and he was nowhere in the finals. It felt like there was a ga- there was probably a moment in it, almost each of these games in the finals where Derek White uh, early hit a shot and then didn't have a bad game. But if he missed one of those first two shots, it was just like, you're cooked. Yeah. Cooked. Absolutely cooked. The two threes that he missed in game four, absolutely brutal. Um and then obviously Grant Williams off the bench. I mean, the dude who shot what, 18 times in game seven against Milwaukee uh, shot 10 threes this entire finals. 10. Mm. That's just scared. Oh, I can't shoot. I'm afraid. Peyton Pritchard. No, was that, that game where he hit the seven threes or whatever was fucking bullshit. That was an anomaly. Which it was. Now that became the expectation. <laughs> it's not the expectation, but I mean, it was all the way through his uh, playoffs and stuff, right? So. He has essentially these weird games where, obviously, yeah, they're just going to leave him open because it's like the lesser of all the evils that they could face. But yeah. in terms of like the games throughout the playoffs where this sort of correlation of him shooting more than five times and them winning is pretty fucking high. And oh, he's, he's the Cedric Maxwell of the modern Celtics. <laughs> sure, that's a fucking pull. Um but there was like there was a big game in I think game two Milwaukee where he scored a shit ton and then in game seven, um, and like literally as soon as you score like he hits more than or attempts more than five shots really in a game they win, and uh, the amount of times he did that in the Warriors series it was literally once and they won so mm. I'm not saying correlation or causation I'm just saying it uh, but really the summation I think of this is their defense as good as it was. Still had some holes, and the Warriors are good enough to poke holes in it. And I think, as I said earlier, the thing that frustrates me most about basketball sometimes is when teams don't live up to their talent. Uh, or at least you can see the talent there, and they the fight just goes out of them a little bit. And you're like, ah, you're not living up to it. Whether it be inexperience, whatever, but their inability to run like a coherent offense against the Warriors was obviously their undoing. The turnovers time and time again. We all know the 16-plus turnovers and you lose the game stat. Uh, but not being able to hit layups fucking blew my mind all series. Like, it just, they couldn't, whereas the Warriors could. And the whinging and the moaning, like, bitching and moaning at the refs who are not getting calls is like, shut up. Like, Steph 
averaged, I think, the most amount of points in a finals ever with, like, the least amount of free throws. So it's going both ways. Anyway, I mean, it sort of leads us to the Warriors, Tim. I feel like the thing we hit on, I think, on Friday's show was the Warriors played like they knew what to do. The Celtics play like they're being told what to do, you know? And that's experience, right? So we've been in this moment before. We know what to do. We'll just do it. And it's like you don't have that level of uh, maybe that level of caution or that level of hesitation where you're like, what am I meant to do? Oh, fuck, the Warriors just kind of knew. So I don't know. Points of difference for me, the experience, that was huge. They had executed every time. Like the three, the third quarter Warriors thing was chaos. But then the way they just fucking smashed them in the fourth quarters down the stretch in those last three games was amazing. Um, the defense, Gary Payton the second, he was awesome. The mitten. I fucking love the mitten. <laughs> Only the fifth father-son duo ever. Except both have rings. Uh, oh, Jeff. and their, their contributions to both of those rings have just been off. The, uh, Miami would never have won without <sighs> their 13th man, Gary Payton. That 06 team had so many glomons for that ring, I tell you that <laughs> much. Alonzo Mourning, Gary Payton. Fucking hell. Um, Antoine Walker won one, I think, that year, didn't he? With the, uh, yep. Oh, no, he was starting, though. He was starting, yeah. at least. Um, but either way, like, the defense is amazing. And I think that's, like, we're going to lose it in, like, the Steph incredible performance all series, apart from, what, game four? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, five. Five. He wasn't, well, game four was his good game. What are you saying? Yeah, game four was the good one. Yeah, the, he rips off the massive game in uh, Boston. And then has the shit game in game five and then bounces back and smashes I don't think he in. played badly in game five. I actually thought he played pretty well in game five and just missed all of his three. Yeah, 0-9, right, in the uh, game five, yeah. And, um, like, the way he sort of just put the put the boot on the throat in game four was just fucking incredible. And just he had that perfect sort of Steph series, right, where there were just those flashes of, like, oh, this is a run where we're going to fuck you up. Guess what? I'm Steph Curry. Mm. Um his layups as well, though, just the contortion around the rim. Again, you know, as I said, like re-watching game six, there's like three layups in that game where you're like, fucking hell, like no one on Boston has hit a layup like that for like since game three, like at all. Like it's mm. chaos. Um, but really the defense for him as well was pretty cool, I thought. He more than yeah. held up his end of the bargain. But GP2, Draymond, Wiggins, that defense was incredible from them. Just the way they walled yep. off the paint. And just like scared away Tatum every time, forcing all those turnovers. Kerr's coaching was really good. I think he made his tweaks. He tweaked and tweaked like a fucking Ballarat meth head, Tim. Like just so many tweaks. And then he Yeah, went- but some of them were simple. Like Steph just played more minutes in that series than he normally does. And, you know, like, I don't know, no shit. It's the finals. But uh, yeah, I thought Steph Kerr was amazing. Moving Looney to and the Kenny, bench. And Kenny, of course. Looney to the bench. And the, obviously, we're all going to talk about pulling Draymond in the fourth of game three or four, four game four for a long time. Uh, Clay that was, was a master start. It was uh, one of those ones where you're like, yeah, just stop hurting us and we'll be all right. And then he gets back in and they uh, pull it off. Clay was pretty solid. He got better as this series went on, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But also sort of makes sense. I guess you're still recuperating, but uh, Wiggins was like the revelation for me, right? Like trusting Andrew Wiggins. Like, I never thought you'd be going, yeah, you know, we can trust in a big moment. Andrew Wiggins, that nice Canadian fella. Like, seriously, Andrew fucking Wiggins. Like, he's the opposite of reflex. You could never rely on him, but now you can. So, 
No, well, because we've reassessed who he is, right? Like, this is global. I'm not saying anything new, but he's probably, he might be the best 3 and D guy in the NBA. And now that we don't look him like, you know, he's not Maple Jordan. He's not the preliminary scorer. He's go and do those two things. And he's fantastic. Like, we, I think, am I getting this wrong? That we, he kind of, we kind of knew of him out of college and then in his first couple of seasons being his great defender, but then that just kind of fell off for whatever reason. I think he wasn't as good as advertised defensively in those first couple of seasons in Minnesota. No, so, well, he was at Minnesota. He was in Minnesota. Exactly. So it's one of those things. And where even he's- in Golden State, and now he's playing for a purpose, and and it all comes back. That's not uncommon. And the other thing I got, I I my favorite thing about Golden State, this dynasty, it has always been the way everyone on the court makes things happen for Steph, and it even happened with Mark Jackson, the double screen, the double door screen with um Draymond and uh, sorry Bogut and David Lee. Draymond has known how to do it for his entire career now. That, that's we're talking about eight or ten years of this sort of knowledge and the way that like and that didn't happen for Tatum and why would it? There's no reason for that to have been so well crafted versus Golden State. But that's just another part of it. And it's just so beautiful and just like some of those little the reason why everyone loves Draymond outside of stats is just the way he lives to provide for Steph Curry. It's another reason why they're both special, why Golden State's special and why um you know, it's one of the differences as to why, against all odds, Steph can still have a good game, and against all odds and good defenses, Tatum won't necessarily. Yeah, yeah. It felt like Tatum had those moments, right, where he had like a shit shooting game, but had like fourteen assists. And you're like, aha, he's learning how to impact the game outside of scoring. Mm. And then he also would keep shooting badly and missing layups, and then keep turning the fucking ball over. And there you go. Uh, but even their bench, like. Pool, it felt like in every game that they won was just like he hit the shots when he exactly needed to. And uh, as I said, I think after game three, like when they're up 15, he's fucking Kobe. When they're down nine, he's Smush Parker. Like there's <laughs> there's no in between. Uh, but he just he has a knack for just hitting a fuck you three like nobody else, I think, apart from probably Steph, right? Like at the end of a quarter, end of a half, just a back-breaking, end-of-the-shot-clock kind of shot. He's that kind of dude. Uh, Looney was obviously really good. Otto Porter hit a couple of massive threes uh, throughout the series, which is just such a weird thing to think about. That's right, Iggy Tim. Iggy was there. What's that? Iggy was there. Iggy, he technically yeah, existed. He played for the last minute. <laughs> Great. Iguodala. But Otto Porter and uh, Belly Belitza becoming NBA champions. What a world we live in. But... It sort of came down to the simple fact of how many dudes could Steve Kerr trust versus how many dudes could Ema Udoka trust. Udoka came down to five. <laughs> I think Steve Kerr had still six, right? And maybe seven, if you're going to trust Looney and Paul as well as your starters. So, Was this their worst title team, though, Tim? <clears throat> was it their worst title team, but their most impressive title? What do you think? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's the one, it's Steph's one, you know, like... I'd, the narrative has gone too far. Like he wasn't any good in those series. Oh my God, they wouldn't have won any of them without him. And had we known at the time that this would become a thing, I don't think we would have given Iggy that uh, finals MVP. But yeah, it's I, it's easily the shittest team. I don't think they will get back with this like construction. They need KD back to get back again. Um, it might happen. Kaminga. They eat one Muzumuni, out. Muzumuni, they eat one out. Off we go. Um, the same time though, I think 
you know, they are sort of primed to at least if Kaminga's good, if Moody's good, if they get anything out of Wiseman, they have a bridge to get better. That's pretty obvious. Yeah, but they don't have a bridge to another final series. You reckon? Yeah. Hmm. And I think that uh, it's it, it just validates – you saw how happy everyone was. It validates Steph, finals MVP, no KD. It validates the ownership, you know, with no KD and all that sort of – it just closes the book. Well, maybe not. Maybe they'll keep going. But, like, everything now is no longer – the K, it's not the KD thing. It, yeah. It's just they would be so happy with the way things have gone. Everything is now great. So, yeah, I think yeah. it's the most impressive. Yep. I feel you. Uh, Steve Kerr, top five coach ever already. What do you reckon? Yeah, nah. Yeah, maybe. Phil, maybe. Phil Pop, Red Auerbach, Pat Riley, Kerr. I feel like that feels like my top five. Uh, no Mike D'Antoni, unfortunately. No George Carl, unfortunately. <laughs> the uh, Oh, but where's Jerry Sloan? Yeah, great. Awesome. Love Jerry Sloan, but come on. Uh, Steph, though, top ten player, Tim. All time. Yeah, I mean, how this has been super fun all week, right? You know why, like, it's hard to answer? This is why I think it's hard to answer. He's, I mean, he does so much more than this. We just talked about how he drives and contorts in the air mid layup, not at Kyrie level, but not far be- behind. He shoots over everybody. It's just, not, you can't compare him to anybody else because he just shoots over the top of her. It's like he's playing a different sport. But he's, it's within the rules. He's changed the game, and that has to be respected. So, and now that there's four titles, you don't have a choice. If you don't have him in your top 10, then he's got to be in your top 12, 15. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. So I don't know. It's just weird because he's not like anyone else. But that's true of Shaq, Jordan, Wilt. Like, and so when he's, you've reached that level and you've transcended, and now you're comparing him to these people because you can't compare him to these people because they played so differently. I mean, yeah, I think he, I guess he is top 10 all time. I think the funniest part of it is that with this title, to get this to four and to do it without KD, it actually just pretty easily knocks him above Kevin Durant with like zero oh, yeah. with like zero argument. You're like, no, nah, he is. I would have put him I'll there already, but yeah. Because yeah. I think the sort of talk was like KD probably goes top 15 already. That's fine. And I think... The conversation before this run, I think, might have been Steph versus KD. Now, Steph, pretty firmly for me, is at least at the uh, Kobe Shaq level. And probably, I think we la- I think this might have been the list on Friday's show. Like MJ, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Russell, or Bird, depending on how you're feeling. Uh, Duncan, Wilt, Steph at 9, Kobe at 10, Shaq at 11, which I don't feel great about, KD at 12, Hakeem 13, Moses 14, and Jerry West 15, Oscar Robertson maybe 15, I don't know. But that's like my sort of 16 where you sort of land in whatever order you want to put them. But yeah, for me, like the Steph, Kobe, Shaq convo is kind of fun. So Kobe has five, but Shaq's the best player on two of those. And arguably, I say Paul Pau Gasol wins the... uh, 2010 title for them with uh, Kobe winning a bullshit finals MVP. So really, Mm -hmm. really, you know, he's got the five titles, but he's the best (laughs) player on, what, one and a half, maybe two and a half if you want to count. Uh, What what was his amazing final series, like 02, 03? Fuck, one of them. No, 02. Uh, 03. 03. Uh, 02, they didn't win 03. They didn't win 03 because that was a spear. But, yeah. I kind of like that convo. It's great, though, because the way that he's changed the game, the way that like, kids just fucking love him, he is basically like, you know, MJ, Kobe, LeBron, 
Steph. Like, there's a very fucking straight through line that even Shaq doesn't quite, I think, impact, right? Like, in just terms of the cultural impact. And I think maybe that if LeBron hadn't changed teams so often, yeah, I feel like he'd be right, like he'd be up at the MJ level pretty easily, right? And because Kobe and Steph never did, I think they have that little bit more of a, uh, I know Chutzpah, they're a little bit more of respect than maybe even Shaq did. So I think so. I mean, when you LeBron's better than Steph Curry, but even when you look at, they've both got four titles and say, well, yeah, but I don't know. There's something about Steph staying at the same team that that has that has a bit more punch to it, I think. And you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see if he's done. Like he had a pretty good year. He won All Star MVP, the Magic Johnson Award, <laughs> and the Finals MVP. Like he he's not. He's not, and he's got the most unique game ever in the sense that can he keep doing this when he's 43? Maybe. Is he going to play with uh, Bronny? Is it going to be a whole other Curry versus Bronny uh, dynasty? I, it's, I, I, Kobe's a funny one to me, right? Because I, you see people put Kobe anywhere from 15th to 4th, 3rd. Yeah. And I've never been I, – I rank him lower. But I think Curry will, will always – Curry's going to be polarizing forever because he plays in a different way that almost, yeah, like I said before, is almost a different sport because he's just like shooting over the top. But that's what's so fantastic about him. Like he's not the first person to try it, but he's by far the best to ever do it. And there's no debate about his shooting ability. Like if the best shooter of all time is not a debate and it isn't, then how can the best shooter of all time not be a top 10 player when he's got everything else to back it up, titles, MVPs, everything else? Yeah. So Reggie Miller played with 39. I f- yeah. I feel like Steph, with that skill set, modern medicine, the way he looks after himself, uh, the way like he's just – he used to look th- like small. Now he doesn't look small. Like He's fucking built That's like true. a little brick shit house. It's crazy. Thirty nine is easily not out of the question, so that's five more years at least. I kind of love it. Kind of love where he could end up all time, you know. And him against Bronny would be fucking hilarious too. Uh, quickly, I've got a couple of yeah nars, a couple of listener yeah nars for you, Tim. Oh boy, Paul Arnie. Day after the last game of the playoffs, is that the worst day? Yeah, nah. I'm going to say nah because the worst day is actually when like the second or third day of free agency is gone. And, like, that's it. Like, there's no more basketball basically until October. That's when you're really staring down the barrel. Because, uh, yeah, now it's just like there's no games. You're like, ah, but we've still got plenty of fucking shit to talk about. Does that seem fair? Agreed. Nice. Yes. Uh, Matty S. Yeah, nah. Jason Tatum calls up Benny Simmons for advice after that finals choke job. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, yeah, nah. I mean, I don't know. Do you get advice in that situation or. Uh, I mean, at least Tatum shot the ball in the fourth quarters, right? Like he didn't. He only hit twenty four percent of the shots, but at least he shot them. So, no, Tatum's fine. Like Tatum played his first NBA Finals at the same level that so many other people have. It's amazing that they that he got there. He might not get there next year. There's plenty of other teams in the East to stop him. But we have to wait on Tatum. Let's see what happens. Yep. It could just be this great part of his story. So, what's Ben Simmons' advice going to be? Just don't shoot at all, Jason. That way, don't you, play next season. You, just don't play next season. Just don't shoot in the fourth quarters, and also just sit out next year. That no just one will, year off. No one will get on your back about it. It's going to be fine. No. Um, and another one from Matty S. What the fuck was going on with Jalen Rose's hairline? Yeah, nah. 
<laughs> like I don't know how he phrased that as a yeah nah, but uh, the Jalen Rose hairline during the finals is pretty amazing. Uh, painted on. I don't know what the fuck was going on there, but <laughs> I'm actually here for that. I think like more like commentators should just get more fucking weird with their hairlines and haircuts. I think it was like the NHL guy, right? He had like the uh, the Fryer Tuck haircut. That was fucking amazing. The commentator. Anyway, Paul Bissett, was that right? Yeah. Uh, last one, Matty Owers. And I really like this one. COVID shutdown slash bubble slash no crowds has been the main contributor towards four different champions the last four seasons. What do you reckon, Tim? Yeah, nah. Four? Three? Over the last four seasons. Raptors? What, what, well, that was just... That's the Raptors four. didn't win that. Yeah. Golden, Golden State, State lost, lost it. <laughs> but was it at the same time. Golden State broke in half mid-series. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. They all feel weird to me. This one feels weird. The season before feels weird. I this I found this whole season weird. So there was something wrong with this season. I think injuries were a big one this year too, right? So, but the thing was, I literally thought about. I was thinking before I even saw Maddie's. Uh, yeah, nah, here. I had that moment. I'm like, we've had six different finalists the last three years. Mm. Like that's pretty weird. Like no one who's either won or lost has gotten back the next year, which is pretty bizarre. And, like, we talk about, obviously, a Warriors dynasty here. And, like, we had gone from, what, the Celtics and Warriors playing each other each year, four straight years, and then we've gone absolute just fucking crank up the chaos engine, right? Uh, but, obviously, the COVID stuff, I think it's probably, it may have, we might look back at this, Tim, and go, you know what was fucking strange? The part that where we stopped the season in the middle, put everybody in a bubble, sprinted to the finish and then started the next season within a couple of fucking months and then sprinted to the end of that one. And then in the the year after that, after a shortened off season, guess what? Everybody got fucking hurt and it was just a fucking weird three years. I think that's where yeah. we're probably going to land at historically for these three years. Um, I think so. And then you compare it to that 78, 9, 80 area with Seattle and uh, Portland all pinched one. It was just like, I think that one was just like in between two eras kind of thing, but yeah. maybe that's where we are now. Yeah, ABA, cocaine, and uh, <laughs> there we go. And, you know, so after the merger, right? Like, yeah, we've got Portland, Washington, Seattle, and then the Lakers, right? It was absolutely chaos then. So I think that's a strange one and it's a really good one. Um, last few questions. We always find a way to yank one in all, in all eras. Lakers always find a way to nab one. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, we haven't even talked about uh, winning time, have we? And uh, how good you know the uh, Jerry West portrayal has been. <laughs> but, no. uh, some off-season Winner questions. Time. That's a that's a separate pod. I, don't, I cannot do that quickly. I, I think we'll do that in the off-season. I've got a lot of thoughts. Um, off-season questions, though. I've got I think seven. Kyrie, what do you reckon the fuck happens, Tim? Seriously, do the Nets? If the Nets look at this and go, "What we can't really trade Kyrie for something commensurate. We can't get Bradley Beal. Uh, we can't get, like, a package of Zach Levine and fucking uh, Kobe White <laughs> and Caruso or something, right? Or Lonzo. Like, do the Nets just go, fuck it, we'll trade KD as well? Like, No, no. no. Kyrie is getting a max from Brooklyn, and... The only reason it wouldn't be like four or five a year or whatever is if Kyrie didn't want it to be. I do not believe any of this noise. All right. There's too cool. many factors. He's that, he's that good. 
even though he's a nightmare. KD and him are too linked, I think, still. And they already had the, the massive disruption with James and Ben. It's not – he's playing for Brooklyn. Yep. The thing is, if you're another team, like what other team out there would give him a three- to four-year max just on the open market? Like really? Oh, I think any, I think any team would. Are you serious? Why? They'd be like, well, it seems like he's pretty cool. He's only fucking ruined the last three franchises he's been on. And, uh, How's he ruined them? Well, I mean, Boston's this, back in the Boston finals. made the finals, to be fair, but it was uh, not a great taste in the mouth post-Kyrie. Uh, gross. <laughs> uh, Harden, number two. What the fuck happens there? Does he stay in Philly? Yeah, it looks like there's some, what do we know, but it looks like there's some... Uh, consensus between both parties around a shorter deal which benefits philly so why wouldn't you they, they haven't gotten started when the trade happened it was always more about next season than this season because they need time to gel and we need to find out if james is still james which i think he is yeah if we're gonna find out if james harden's completely fucking cooked or not like holy shit yeah he was horrible uh utah does danny do donny or does danny do rudy which one does danny do <laughs> You know, that's easy. They're not. It's Donovan, Donovan Mitchell is is number one, and Rudy Gobert is an expensive but fantastic number two. Now they might find out when Rudy's gone if Rudy ever leaves that just how integral is that system, and he is. But you are not going to win the title without a Donovan Mitchell type, and they're not getting someone else better in Utah. So. Either, it's either the status quo and just using the new coach as the, as the shake-up or Rudy's gone. Donovan's not fucking going anywhere unless he makes it happen. Yeah, uh, that's new Nick, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, speaking of which, the Knicks, you know they're going to do something. What do you reckon they can do? Do they go hammer and tongs after uh, Donnie Mitchell? Do they go hammer and tongs in the draft? Because uh, this is kind of like the weird part, right? The Julius Randle experience is... Uh, Soured dramatically after Soured. one awesome year. <laughs> that's they, very nickish. Where they, where they won one game in the playoffs. <laughs> to be fair, that's more than the Nets won this year. So, um, but at least the Nets made the second round last year. But still, like, it doesn't feel like there's a big sort of Knicks uh, target out there, really, unless it's like Zion or Donnie Mitchell like a player who would have to make it known that they only want to go to the Knicks and there's like nothing else that they want to do and they might pull a Ben Simmons. Like, um, what do you think? Because like, I'm just, look, I feel like the Knicks have hit a new era of reputation where once upon a time was the splash for whoever. And now it's the, the medium splash for the medium player. So I'm just looking here, like, you know, Gary Harris and, and Yusuf Nurkic. There you go. Like they'll each get, They'll get those two in and they'll be okay for a season. That's the Knicks these days. Oof. Montrez. That once Montrez is out of prison, they'll <laughs> they'll bring him in for twenty million a year. They'll bust him out of Kentucky prison in a way. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Zach Levine, Jalen Brunson, Brad Beal. It's like the three sort of guards that'll set a market at, or do something. I think this offseason, obviously, um, up for extensions or new contracts, etc. I feel like there's a like a little bit of domino sort of effect, right, with those three guys, right? If Brad Beal goes, right, yep, cool, I just want that really max extension from Washington. Please, can I have my money? Please, 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 please. 
and then maybe it's a sign and trade. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Mm. But Levine it felt like he was like all on board, and he's like, wait a minute, oh, maybe I'll go to Portland or something. Brunson, Dallas go and trade for Christian Wood. Feel like they still really need Jalen Brunson. Uh, Cuban's got more money than God. Off you go. Oh, I mean, crypto though, you know, it has tanked him. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can't afford Jalen Brunson. <laughs> they're going to be paying him in Dogecoin. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like those three guards sort of uh, change the complexion of the market at least a little bit. Do you think Levine goes? Brunson, Brad Bill, what do you think? I don't know. I, I, I'm basing this off nothing. I, just, I don't think there's going to be a bloodbath of movement this year at a high level. I, I don't think Zach Levine goes. I don't think Zach Levine has the ego that we sometimes paint. Yeah, see, you're looking at me funny, but I think he enjoyed this season with Damar and enjoyed some success. I'd like to see that run back one more time with a healthy Caruso who might be the greatest player in the NBA. Uh, I don't know. I, I just I don't feel like there's a heap of movement. You know, we already know sometimes at this point about certain players, and I, there just hasn't been any of that this year. Well, I feel like Levine, though, the talk, the way that it sort of heated up in essentially like the last three weeks is like a bit of smoke, you know, that kind of vibe of like, hey, yeah, there's going to be a fire there. Suns and Aiton. Uh, oh, yeah, apart from that. That's going to happen. That's the other one. I mean, the yeah. Suns, you know, you can never trust them to uh, keep a good thing together. They're always going to fuck it up somehow because of uh, old Bobby Sava. Uh, the other question there, though, is like, do you think CP3 sort of looks at this situation and goes, yes, this is where I definitely want to stay now? I think he's in a position now where he can force a trade. Well, what's his, con- what's his, what's his, what's his contract now? $80 well, they, million for nine years? They had that weird extension and it was – the one where you're like, well, we came to a middle ground of like the three-year uh, extension, right? So after this year, he essentially had the, I think it was like the four-year 120 million extension, but that's I think, right. I think the last year wasn't guaranteed, I think. And uh, so, yeah, it's like the No, 30... I, think he, I think he's in Phoenix for one more season. And if that doesn't pan out, he weasels his way somewhere because he's pretty smart with that stuff. Yep. But Phoenix isn't done. Cool. They probably. I feel, it seems like Phoenix feels like they can play without DeAndre now, and let's see one more season of Booker and Paul Man. without COVID. That's a goddamn shame because remember the Valley Oop, like that was such a great moment for Suns and Suns fans. Like yeah, and then Aiton just <laughs> talk about cowarding his way out of town. Um, I don't want to go back on the court. Uh, and then finally, the big one for you: the Lakers off-season questions. What do you reckon the fuck happens with your Lakers? Does Rusty get traded? Uh, no. Is there anything else you can do? No. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because Westbrook's playing. Our, our mid-level roster will probably be worse than it was this season. And we'll see. We'll either have a similar result or slightly worse. All right. I uh, mean, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. If, if, if Westbrook can gel somehow and AD can play and LeBron will probably take a little, you know, 5% natural dip or whatever he takes, there's still a team there. Like, and it really is about those three. So they'll just fill it up again with a bunch of random, hopefully a little bit younger, random 1.9 million types. And, and we'll see what happens. Wait, you didn't like the Trevor Ariza and Wayne Ellington 
and Carmelo Anthony and... I hate Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington follows me around. And then as soon as we got to Brooklyn and got those season tickets, somehow Wayne Ellington was on the fucking team. <laughs> I hate Wayne Ellington. He's not bad. He probably was our best shit player this year. Nice one. All right. Uh, drafts on Friday. THT's got to go too. He oh, sucks. Poor THT. I don't like his face. Uh, draft is on Friday. Yeah. Orlando picking one. OKC two. Houston three. Then it all just gets a bit funky as soon as Sacramento pick, right? At four. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the top three of Jabari, Chet, Paolo? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you take Chet? Chet's the man. <laughs> I love his fugly head. Poco, Poku 2.0. I love it. Just And yeah, that's right. And you can tell he's not going to pan out that well. And that's why he's perfect for Orlando. I think that's why he's perfect for OKC. Get me some Chet in OKC next to Giddy. And shy red of Gilgis Alexander, and away we go. Jabari, I love Jabari. We go, well, he could shoot the shit out of it. It's like, yes, he's Rashad Lewis. Good job. Uh, it's like, oh, well, he can't really good. dribble, but whatever. It's like, all right, cool. It's also it's always good when Orlando's got the number one pick because it gives the Lakers four to eight years to, um, to get him. figure out how to <laughs> recruit this person in free agency. So I'm looking forward to it. Jabari Smith on the Lakers next to AD. That's actually not a bad fit, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Paolo stretched out Pat Mahomes. Um, Paolo Benchero, like, there's been, like, crazy talk, though, in the last eight hours of, like, the odds shortening on him to go number one, which is one of those ones where it's either somebody essentially has already locked in a trade to go up and get him specifically because uh, they don't – maybe Houston don't think he'll drop to three, so they'll trade up to one or something like that. And uh, Orlando are kind of like, we don't really want the pressure of the number one pick because if it doesn't work out, we're fucked. And yeah. yeah, it's kind of weird because I kind of like Paolo's game a little bit more, but there's, it feels like there's slightly, like we kind of know what he could be, but the thing is he could be really fucking good. So I don't know, but the rest of the names like Dyson Daniels, the Aussie, the greatest thing to come out of Bendigo. We're going to Bendigo. Um, seriously, the greatest thing to come out of Bendigo since, I don't know, incest. Uh <laughs> Shelbyville. Classic Ballarat boy. That's it. Ballarat. Yeah, exactly. That's our You're Shelbyville, so bro. Uh, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, Benny Matherin, Johnny Davis. Uh, are any of the names sort of like uh, inspiring to you? Do you like any of the dudes? Have you watched much of the stuff? Because I feel like I watched a no. little bit of college this year. Uh, not enough, really, because it was kind of like clear that the top three were almost locked in like halfway through the season. You're like, yep, cool. As soon as Jabari sort of like rose up, you're like, yep, cool. That's great. I like Benny Matherin. Obviously love Dyson Daniels. Uh I don't know. Are you psyched for the draft at least? No, I, I, I think it's interesting because Orlando doesn't really have a direction yet, right? There isn't a position that's locked in. Like there's, um, you know, a couple of pieces that they committed to when they got rid of Fournier and Vucevic, but they could go anywhere really and build from this is year one. So I think it creates an interesting draft. But no, beyond that, I don't give a fucking shit. <laughs> nice. Well, the good thing is that sets us up perfectly for Thursday's show where we'll break it all down for you because that's what we're going to do yeah, good. on Thursday. Yeah, I'll call in. <laughs> it's halfway through the draft. <laughs> Tim's 18 beers deep. It's nine in the morning. Let's do it. Either way, all right, we'll wrap that up for today. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday, as mentioned. No show tomorrow. Uh, we'll just have the NBA straight, the uh, traditional, now traditional NBA straight mock draft. Uh, where I basically just go through, pick the 30 dudes I like the best, where they, where I want them to go. Based on absolutely nothing beyond, like, that's where I want them to go because I like it. Uh, it's very simple and effective, Tim. Uh, just sad that we haven't been able to go to a draft for many, many a year. 
because I think speaking of uh, drafts in the past, one was on my birthday, which was fucking gnarly. You know, getting into fights with Grayson Allen, all the good stuff. But either way, uh, there was also a moment where we had the Game 7 of the NBA Finals in 2016 land on my birthday that I actually watched that game with you in a yeah. uh, Brooklyn the bar block. with the everybody block. standing up on the fucking just losing their shit uh, yeah. with the block, the uh, Kyrie shot, all the good stuff. So The shot, yep. Amazing stuff. Anyway, um, so yeah, draft. Can't wait. It's going to be on Friday. We'll do the mock draft Thursday. We'll wrap everything up on Friday for you. In the meantime, make sure you're following NBA on Twitter, Face EIG, all the uh, socials. Buy a fucking t-shirt. i got to pay for these goddamn Renault somehow. Get your merch, get your merch. Uh, check out NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. World Wrestling Australia with Adam. It's over on YouTube. NBAAustralia.com slash shop. There you go. Get all your merch. Check us a rating review. Don't be a coward. And uh, big thanks. Go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. I just ran into the uh, drummer from From Oslo yesterday. Not yesterday, the day before. It's fucking great. A big old chat. Uh, also, thanks to Joshua Delarantis, Fascinated Goldmines, Ramshack, Alami, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers for the tunes you hit throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify. At least me tunes. Remember, NBA Australia support Australian bands. So should you. Tim, thank you for jumping on. This is good. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, I look forward to this time next year when the Milwaukee Bucks hold the title once more. I still swear. Middleton. That might be the biggest sort of thing that just gets underplayed this entire thing, right? Like, it still yep. took Boston seven games to get past them without Middleton. It's chaos. Giannis is that much better than everyone else at this point. Yep. He's the best player by far. All right, sick. We'll catch you on Thursday, you dickheads. This is the NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And let it hustle!